Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Back-to-back games and back-to-back 6-3 losses at the hands of the Devils. And uh, this West Coast trip is not over. We still got to play the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday. So uh, it's going to be a long few days for the Devils as a trade deadline approaches as Monday is going to be here before we know it. So uh, I'm sorry, Garfield, but we have a lot to talk about in this episode. Buckle up. Your Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. scores! Oh, Steven stepped up, nailed him. Rodora's got the puck, what a shot. Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. And like I said in the cold open, back-to-back games and back-to-back 6-3 losses at the hands of the Devils. This has been a Canadian West Coast trip to forget about. Unfortunately, it is not over. They are not out of the woods. We still got to play the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday. I know we've handled the Oilers already this season. However, no win at this point is a guaranteed win for the Devils and uh, keep in mind that the Oilers at the time of this recording are currently on a three-game win streak and they have a better record than the Vancouver Canucks so that's just something to take note of and overall this was one of the worst performances this season by the New Jersey Devils and the funny thing is is that when we played the Calgary Flames early on in the year uh, we lost to them uh, as well and I said that was one of our worst performances but at the same time the Calgary Flames their expectations are Uh, The opposite of what people expect from the New Jersey Devils, as in the Flames this season are cup contenders. Uh, Early on in the day, they were able to get Cali, Yarncroc, and uh, a few weeks ago, they were able to get Tyler Toffoli. So you know that the Calgary Flames are just trying to pull all the stops to possibly win a cup uh, this season. And their expectations and the Devils' expectations are in completely different directions. So overall, uh, this game for the Devils, it was one of their worst games of the year. But at the same time, we just got to keep in mind who we were playing. And we were outwitted. We were outfoxed. We were outplayed. We were out everything against this Flames organization. And I'll give examples momentarily. But let's talk about the goaltending situation because this is a topic that I kind of made uh, a heavy talking point in the last episode in which I talked about Nico Dawes being pulled early in the game. Some people felt as though maybe he shouldn't have been pulled, but I, I think I saw what uh, Lindy Ruff was trying to do, which was, you know, we've been overworking Nico Dawes and we don't have any faith in John Gilly. So it's just like we have no choice but to rely on Nico Dawes. So they pulled him out of the game when he wasn't having the best of outings. And I said, count your blessings, but this was bound to happen. He's only uh, a trend. He is not uh, solidified. He's not legitimate quite yet, but his numbers are pretty good compared to Blackwood and compared to Bernier. But at the same time, he is still prone to have a few bad games. And unfortunately, for back-to-back nights, he has been pulled back-to-back games. So he's a for-now situation, and I trust him enough to you know, do a decent job. But going up against a top-tier team like the uh, Calgary Flames, I just don't have the utmost in faith of him that he's going to possibly get us a win. Then again, he was able to get us a win against the Colorado Avalanche, not before letting up three goals. So like I said, um, uh, in terms of the expectations for Nico Dawes, 
I have moderate expectations, as in I don't expect him to get a win in more times than not, but I expect him to be a decent for now situation. And according to Amanda Stein, she tweeted this after the game. She said, Dawes is learning on the job, and that's just the circumstances the New Jersey Devils are currently in. Head coach Ruff knows he's been asking a lot from him. According to Lindy Ruff, he said this uh, post game. He said, I put Nico through a pretty tough test, probably an unfair test for a young goaltender. We've asked a lot from him and probably unfairly. Lindy had a lot of really encouraging words for the young goaltender after the game. A second consecutive game where he was pulled, which you can hear in my post-game report. So uh, basically, Amanda Stein is preaching what I've been preaching on the show, which is that we've been overworking Nico Dawes and Lindy Ruff does acknowledge it. But at the same time, what else are we supposed to do? And uh, I talked about it in the last episode, I thought that John Gillies was going to get the start in today's matchup, but we kind of screwed ourselves. And here's what I mean by that, which is we should have put in John Gillies, and I'm still going to stick by what I said in the last episode, put in John Gillies against the Vancouver Canucks, and then you leave Nico Dawes for the Calgary Flames, because I don't think this is a coin flip at this point anymore. I think Nico Dawes, in terms of him being legitimate, I think he's legitimately better than John Gillies, and I think any Devils fan can attest to that. That's a no-duh type of scenario. So it's just like, you know, put in Nico Dawes for the Calgary Flames, fully rested, don't overwork him. It's back-to-back games. Why would you put him in for consecutive back-to-back games? That doesn't really make any sense. So my thing is, is like um, we should have put in Nico Dawes for this game alone and then just put in John Gillies in between the pipes against the Vancouver Canucks because otherwise, I, I said in the last episode, this could degrade his confidence because for his second game in a row, he's been pulled from the game. And I saw a few tweets during the course of today's game that maybe he shouldn't have been pulled in the last uh, game. But I think Lindy Ruff was just trying to give him a break, trying to give him a breather, trying to hype him up for the next game against the Calgary Flames. But at the same time, you know, you got to be a better coach than that. You got to know when to use your goalies. You got to know the games uh, ahead. You got to know what your opponent is possibly going to bring. And uh, one look at the Vancouver Canucks, a mid-tier team in the NHL, you know, mid-tier in the Pacific Division. But when you got the Calgary Flames, they are best of the best in the Pacific. So, you know, in, in that scenario, when you've overworked Nico Dawes because this is, what, his ninth straight game uh, being the uh, starting goalie for the Devils, then why don't you just give him a breather for the Vancouver Canucks? I, I, I really don't know because you can't start him the rest of the way of the season. It's not going to happen. He's young. He's still trying to learn. He's still trying to improve. And he, he might not say it, but he is definitely going to need a rest. He is bound to have a rest. So uh, I, I don't get it, that overall mindset from Lindy Ruff. So uh, I still stick by what I said in the last episode, which is John Gilly should have played in the last game against the Vancouver Canucks. And then you put in uh, Nico Dawes against Calgary Flames. Do we get the wins in both of those games? Uh, definitely, probably not. But at the same time, you put yourself in a better situation to win because on the one hand, you know, you're giving uh, Nico Dawes a rest and then maybe he can uh, have a better performance against the Calgary Flames. And on the other hand, you're still giving John Gillies his his reps, but at the same time, you're putting him up against a team that's just mid-tier. It's not a team that strikes fear into you. It's still a team that you respect. And remember, the Devils, prior to that game, they were on a, what, like a, a few-year game win streak against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the last time they lost to the Vancouver Canucks, you would have to go back to November 2014 prior to that game. So it's just like, you know, uh, we've had past success against Vancouver, so why don't you roll the dice and just put in uh, uh, John Gillies fully against the Vancouver Canucks. Like I said, do we come out with the win? I don't know. I don't think so. But at the same time, it's just like 
you're, you're putting yourself in a better situation to win. So that's my overall two cent opinion on the goaltending situation. But at the same time, the, the, the loss isn't fully on Nico Dawes. It's not fully on John Gillies, but definitely we'll talk more about them later on in the episode because they did let up a couple of uh, goals. I'm sure that they, they will not want to have back, but they're young, they're inexperienced, they're put into a situation that they're not accustomed to. So, uh, you know, what can you really anticipate from them? You got to keep your expectations somewhat moderate. That's why when I was talking to John Chick of Locked On Rangers just a, just a, a week or two ago, I said, like, look, I know Nico Dawes is putting up a pretty decent effort, but I am not going to jump the gun on anything. He has a lot of potential. I think the Devils should bring him back as a third string option. But at, at, at the same time, it's just like he's a for now situation and he's been having a good few string of games and, you know, he's put up decent numbers in those outings. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, look what he did this game and look what he did in the last game. He's just uh, he's bound to have a few games and, and unfortunately he's still a wild card in that instance. So, uh, that, that's my overall opinion on the whole goaltending situation. That's how I think Lindy Ruff should have handled it, but, uh, that's why I'm not a coach, but uh, now you hear my side of the story. So, uh, before we continue with today's episode, I talked about rolling the dice uh, moments ago. So speaking of rolling the dice, you should head uh, over to betonline.net because uh, as as you all know, I was in Vegas just a couple weeks ago, the mecca of gambling. So it is that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us from the latest odds, contests, and player props. Betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Betonline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Betonline is your continued source for all the sporting wagering information needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action, battle line where the game starts. Please remember to gamble responsibly and visit our friends at Locked On Bets for all your betting needs there as well. And now, the second live read this morning comes from our friends at rockauto.com. So, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why are often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every consumer. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website to find a solution to your auto parts needs. And you should head over to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So what the Devils have been doing these last couple games on this Canadian West Coast trip is the complete opposite of what they were able to do just a few games prior in which they were able to put up great offensive numbers and put up a decent fight even when they lose. So against the Colorado Avalanche, uh, the one thing you could say about the Devils is that they gave themselves opportunities to win and they ultimately came out with the win because they kept on shooting. They put themselves in a favorable situation and unfortunately Darcy Kemp was just handcuffing them early on in the game and then they were finally able to just break them and then in our very next game against the Winnipeg Jets Comrie was just looking for vengeance he was seeing red and he was able to just uh, make the stops and stymie the New Jersey Devils attack and that's why we ended up losing the game two to one so uh, you know that's another example of where we put up a decent effort and we come away with you know like decent results and uh, I know the Devils and probably no team is big on moral victories but still that that loss against the Winnipeg Jets that's not really a loss that you could just 
just uh, nitpick uh, for the Devils because they did put up a valiant effort. Comrie just put up a better effort. So, you know, good offense, just better defense from Comrie. But this game for the Devils, they did not put themselves in a good position to win. Their five-on-five was terrible. They got outshot by the Calgary Flames. The one thing I always say to the Devils is that if you want to win the game, you got to keep on shooting. And unfortunately, you know, despite them uh, putting uh, up a decent effort at some parts during the game because uh, P.K. Subban was able to tie the game in period number two. Dawson Mercer was able to tie it in period number one. But after Subban scored uh, the second goal for the New Jersey Devils, the Devils allowed three unanswered goals to the Calgary Flames. And that was, huh, what period was that in? That was in the second period. The Devils always don't seem to have uh, the best of second periods. It seems to be their Achilles heel when they uh, play in any game. And it's just like, you know, I I don't know what it is about second periods for the New Jersey Devils. Like, the first period wasn't that good either. I'm not saying the first period was, you know, fantastic by any stretch of the imagination. But they got lucky to walk away with a 2-1 deficit because it should have been a lot worse. But they got lucky. They tightroped out of that situation. And then they were able to come out somewhat aggressive within the first five-minute frames when P.K. Subban was able to score. Which, by the way, take a snapshot of that because that could potentially be P.K. Subban's final goal as a New Jersey Devil. So, you know. You know, at least he's going out with some sort of style. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just like the Devils score and then the Calgary Flames were able to score three unanswered goals. And look, I get the Calgary Flames, like I said in this episode, they're tops of the tops in their respective division. They're uh, cup contenders. They're looking for... Uh, that that Stanley Cup trophy to hoist up at the end of the season. But at the same time, it's just like the second period has always been the weakest period for the New Jersey Devils. And I don't know why, but it just seems like, you know, whatever they do, it just it just doesn't work. And then, you know, you got Sharon Govich trying to cut into the deficit a little bit. And thank God Bratt and Hughes were able to get and assist this game because, like I said, you can guarantee that those two players are going to at least generate one point for the New Jersey Devils. But it was just too little too late. And then, uh, you know, they the Devils had four power play opportunities and the Calgary Flames had zero. And yet the Devils weren't able to capitalize on any power plays. And I said in the last episode that our special teams was not good. It, and, you know, we're, we're taking a few steps backwards. So what happened to that overall offensive firepower team that I've been so accustomed to these last few weeks? It's completely gone the way of the dinosaurs. It's going extinct. These last couple of uh, appearances against uh, the Flames and the Canucks. And like I said, this West Coast trip is not over. We still got to play the uh, Oilers on Saturday. So this overall effort from the New Jersey Devils is just like, I, I don't know what's going on with them, but I have a theory. But then again, it could be a stretch. I'll talk about it a little later. But when looking at the shots on goal differential, uh, the Devils were outshot by the Calgary Flames 11-10 to 10 in the first period. Then in the second period, the Devils were able to have more shots on goal, 15-13. to 13, But you know, then again, the Calgary Flames had 13 shots and they were able to translate it to three goals. So something didn't go right for the Devils. And then uh, for the Calgary Flames, uh, they outshot the Devils uh, uh, twice as much in period number three, 16 to eight. And as a result, Calgary Flames led the shots on goal differential 40 to 33. And I, I, I don't I don't know what else has to happen for the Devils. But overall, th- this was just not a good showing from them. And when looking at the goals, you, you just saw that the Devils just got outsmarted. They got outwit. They got outplayed. So when looking at uh, Richie's goal, like. You know, he was able to beautifully locate it. Don't get me wrong. It was a great shot. But at the same time, look what Lucic was able to do down low on Ryan Graves. He took Ryan Graves out of the picture. So Ryan Graves is in front of Dawes trying to protect him and just trying to redirect the shot if if a shot comes off the stick of a Flames player. 
and look what Lucic was doing. He was essentially boxing Ryan Graves out, and once Richie took the shot, it made it that much harder for Dawes to locate it, and then the Calgary Flames go up one to nothing. So it's the little things like that that make the Calgary Flames such a uh, a threat to win the Stanley Cup because you see them making plays like that. And it's not just the Flames, but you see a lot of top-tier teams doing what um, uh, Lucic was able to do, which is, you know, you make the plays that don't show up in the score sheet, but you make the plays that can potentially get one of your teammates into the score sheet and put you up one to nothing. Then Dawson Mercer is able to get a good shot off and tie the game one apiece. And then uh, to close out the period, Manny Pani, he was able to find the puck and just get it right past Dawes. So what had happened was that the Flames got a shot off. The Devils were able to redirect it, but it just found the stick of Manny Pani, I believe like in the high slot area, and that he was able to get a shot off and it went right past Dawes. And I'm just saying like, you know, uh, I'm not really going to blame Dawes in that circumstance. I think the defense did everything they could potentially do. I think it was just one of those plays where wrong place, wrong time, and unfortunately, it just came back to bite the devil. So it's just one of those plays I'm sure Dawes would like to have back. I'm sure the defense would like to have back. But at the same time, the the sport of hockey happens so fast. And uh, it it was just uh, a prime example of just like the Flames just uh, pouncing. They, They were relentless. They didn't give up. And that's just what happened. And then here comes period number two. And this is where all hell broke loose for the New Jersey Devils because P.K. Subban was able to tie the game to a piece. And that's great. And like I said moments ago, I said uh, that could be P.K. Subban's final goal as a New Jersey Devil. He still has one more game before the trade deadline, but we'll see what happens. But uh, here's another example that just made me rip out my hair. Dylan Dubé, uh, he was able to slip right past Siegenthaler and Hamilton, and he was able to, to get a good shot off on Dawes. So I'm just like, that cannot happen. Like, if you're the New Jersey Devils, like, you got to play better defense than that. I'm I'm going to blame Dawes a little bit, but I think most of the burden should go on the shoulders of Hamilton and Siegenthaler for allowing Dubé to just slide right between them and get the goal. And it was just a defensive lapse in general for the New Jersey Devils that resulted in Dubé able to penetrate Siegenthaler and Hamilton. So... Just giving you that overall example. Because when looking at the replay, it just looked like the Flames were just able to just execute that beautifully. They were able to get out and run. They were able to fool Siegenthaler. And then by the time Hamilton tried to come over and help him out, it was too late. Dubé was off and running and was able to get the backhander shot on Dawes. And uh, that resulted in the Flames taking the lead once again. So... Uh, like I said, just a defensive lapse in general, and the Flames were able to find holes in the Devils' uh, defense, and they exploited it. So uh, when looking at Kachuk and Lucic's goals, they were able to score it on two different goalies. So Kachuk scored his goal on uh, Nico Dawes when he was still in the game, and then Lucic was able to score it on John Gillies because John Gillies, if you recall, came in to replace Nico Dawes. And when when looking at uh, both of their goals, it just looked like that both Dawes and Gillies were just out of position because when you look at the replay, it just looked like that um that Dawes and and um and Gillies were just creeped in just a little too much and that gave uh the Flames enough room to just score the goals on them and I feel as though on Kachuk's goal if you look at the replay if you look very closely it looked like that uh the puck just went underneath the armpit of uh, Dawes and it was able to find the back of the net so it looks like that he just miscalculated the puck because I'm sure he was trying to stop it with his uh, blocker but came up empty and it just went right underneath his armpit 
and 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 on the side of his body. So uh, that resulted in the goal. Then when looking at Lucic's goal, I don't know what John Gillies was doing, but he was completely out of position, similar to Dawes, creeping on in just a little too much, and he's exposing his backside. So um, you know when you do something like that, that's going to result in a goal against a top tier team nine times out of ten. So another example of boneheaded mistakes at the hands of the New Jersey Devils this time by their goalies, and this is the few examples where I could just say the goaltending completely messed us up on those two examples because like I said for Kachuk's goal just went underneath the armpit of Dawes and it looked like it just missed his blocker and then for Gillies he was just out of position and he exposed himself uh, uh, on the uh, backside and Lucic was able to score it with ease. So when looking at this game for the New Jersey Devils, it's just like I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt against uh, their last game uh, when they played the Vancouver Canucks. But this time around, it's just looked like they were just outdueled, outplayed. And like I said, it was just one of those games where you just knew they weren't going to win because uh, they just don't have the stamina. They don't have the energy. And I think what's getting to them a little bit is that, you know, they're hearing all these trade uh, rumors and, you know, uh, getting closer to the trade deadline. That could take a toll on any athlete mentally because no athlete wants to just sit there in speculation and be sitting on their hands uh, on pins and needles just saying, like, what, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? Am I going to be traded? Where am I going to go? And obviously that can cause a lot of stress for any organization, and we see it everywhere in sports, not just in the NHL, but, you know, we, we, we see it in all the uh, big-name sports where, you know, the trade deadline can definitely take a toll on an athlete mentally because they don't know where they're going to go. And I think, you know, for a few players that have had their names brought up in trade discussions. So like Damon Severson, Andreas Janssen, who, by the way, did not play in this game, Pavel Zaka, P.K. Subban. When they're hearing their names just being brought up uh, constantly in trade uh, discussions and rumors, that can, all, that can you know take a toll on them. And by the way, Pavel Zaka didn't play in this game either, just using him as an example. So uh, overall, just... Um, just not a good showing from the Devils, and I hope uh, come the trade deadline when it passes, the Devils will get back to what they were able to do post-All-Star game, which is they put up a decent fight or they put up big offensive numbers. I'm still glad that Jack Hughes and Jesper Brat they're still continuing their consistent point-per-game production, and I actually have an interesting fact for you guys, uh, courtesy of Devils Army blog. So prior to this game, after the uh, two-night performance against Vancouver, Jack Hughes is playing at a 94-point pace. 39 goals and 55 assists over an 82-game schedule. Uh, he has 21 points over his last 13 games. So like I said, Jack Hughes, barring anything catastrophic, will be the first devil to reach uh, triple digits in terms of point production. So looking forward to that when that happens. If not next year, then sometime in the future. But let's compare the overall stats for today's game, and then I'll give the Devils a, a letter grade. So shots on goal differential, 40-33 to 33 in favor of the Flames. Like I said, if you can't outshoot the Flames, you have no shot of winning. So uh, one of the reasons why we were able to beat the Colorado Avalanche, the best team in the NHL at the time, was that uh, we were just able to just get a lot of shots on them and just keep ourselves in the game. And we just said, keep attacking Kemper, and then maybe uh, some goals will find the back of the net. Then face-off percentage, 56 to 44% in favor of the Devils. Power play opportunities, Flames had no power play opportunities. Devils were 0 for 4. So back to earth for special teams, eh? It's worth mentioning that the New Jersey Devils also had a four-minute power play, and the Flames were able to kill that off. So back-to-back games and back-to-back four-minute power play opportunities for the Devils, and they were unable to capitalize on that. That is unacceptable. Back to the film room. I don't know what else to say about that situation. Uh, hits 22-10 to 10 in favor of the Flames. Blocks 17-11 to 11 in favor of the Devils. Giveaways. Devils led that department 16-7. to 7. So can't happen. Can't be turning the puck over against... Uh, against a team like the Flames like this consistently. So 
when giving this game an overall uh, grade, I'm going to give the Devils, so I think in the last episode I gave them a C-, minus. I'm going to give them a D, a solid D, so no D+, plus, no D-, minus. I'm just going to give them a D because I didn't have high expectations for them, and it's sort of the same story in the last uh, in the last game, which is they had their chances to possibly make it a competitive game, but you just knew that it wasn't going to go that way. Um, it, overall, it, it's not. it's one of their worst games of the year, but it's not the worst, so... Five on five was terrible. Goaltending was uh, terrible. Offense was inconsistent at times. And, uh, you know, sometimes the strategy just didn't work. So I'm going to give the Devils a D. And I'm just so glad that our game against the Flames is over because I can't take it anymore. An interesting fact for you guys, the Flames are 9-1-1 prior to this game. Uh, dating back to 2003 when they played their home games against the uh, New Jersey Devils. So once again, Flames are 9-1-1 at home, dating back to 2003 against the New Jersey Devils. They were able to improve that uh, to 10-1-1. So uh, just uh, some afterthoughts for you guys to take home and just take into consideration. So let me know what you guys think about the overall effort from the New Jersey Devils. Do you think the trade uh, rumors are getting to the players a little bit, which is why they're taking a few steps back? Or do you just think it's the quality of teams we're, we're facing? because we got to play a team that's not as good as the Flames, but certainly better than Vancouver Canucks on Saturday, and that's the Edmonton Oilers. So let me know how uh, you guys feel about that game. As for today's episode, that's all the time I have for you. So continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils, and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening once again.